This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt leads us in further discussion of our walk in loving others through actions that is living in His Spirit that leads to good conscience and pleases God. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Matt Grimm here with Thad Keenel. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing wonderful. It's good to be here with you. What are we going to cover today? Well, yeah, we are back here with the Planet Podcast, and we are going to try to finish First John 3. And you know what? Last time I remember I came and I was prepared for chapter 4, and you said, we have only gotten through the first <laughs> third yeah. of chapter 3, so this is part 3 of chapter 3, Yeah, or maybe even part 4. But Yeah, I think it might be 4. You know, yeah. the information and the details of what John's been talking about in this letter are, are just loaded with practical application for the believer, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. I mean, you really got to soak it all in. You do, and, and he keeps he keeps bringing up, you're like, gosh, John, I thought we, you addressed this before, you know, but as he progresses in some senses, he's also recapitulating in other things because it's so important for him to be talking about, you know, our words and our deeds going together, that what we profess and and how we act go together, and I really think it has something to do with this heresy that he's addressing, right? That that on the one hand, uh, I think there's potentially maybe two things going on. There's one, there are some false teachers coming who he's calling antichrist. So in some way, they're denying the real Christ, which I think has to do with this docetism where he maybe only appeared as a ghost that or something like that. That he really didn't become fully human. He wasn't right, fully right. human, fully God. You know, and so in that way, they're denying. Uh, you mentioned Christ. a couple of things. I'm just going to jump in. Um, docetism, and then the other one was Gnostic, the Gnostic belief. So, docet- yeah. separate those two for me. If well, you so I think my understanding, and I didn't do any refreshing as I prepared today, but the best understanding is is that docetism is is kind of a form of do- of Gnosticism, in the sense that Gnosticism would be this very extreme dualism uh, between the physical world and the spiritual mental world kind of the the seen world versus the unseen world okay and the and so what in um in gnosticism they elevate the 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 logos and their the logic the, the the what you believe you know and kind of in in the spiritual and the believing is is far superior than the physical world. So could we say that both of those would be related to a denial of God in the flesh? Yeah, in some ways, docetism more so is directly getting into that. So the docetists would would say that because they hold this du- extreme dualistic nature, that that Jesus couldn't be that God, who is like the the great beautiful mind and and spirit, that God can't become flesh because he can't become earthly in any way, right, and so therefore he just appeared to be that. Okay. Uh, so that would be so the docetism would be a specific expression of that. Not all Gnostics were docetists. Okay. Okay. But what what you would have then in some of that as it relates not to just the belief in Christ, the Antichrist type thing, but how it played itself out then for some Gnostics in terms of the expression of life, how you lived life, there were usually two, they would fall off the log on either side potentially. One where they become extremely ascetic or pietistic, 
where they would just the best way to to achieve that that spiritual or state or is is to be as you know um is to live as pure as as possible you know in an extreme in an extreme way, but the other side, which I think many more fell into, which I think what he's addressing here is, are like, well, what we do in the light in the body doesn't matter, right? Because because it's only what you know, it's only what you think about, right? Yeah, the so, flesh is wicked no matter what. So yeah, so just, yeah. yeah, so I can just I can you know I can I can sleep with a bunch of women and 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 get drunk and you know hoard my wealth and do all this stuff. It doesn't matter as long as I understand, you know, this higher plane reality because right. that's, you know, so I think that's, so I think he's really addressing those things here, right? right? And and that's where um, he keeps, he keeps, as he's making his points, he keeps coming back to it. That's why I think we, we get this, almost seems like he's repeating himself because I think he's directly addressing the heresy that is, you know, that people are saying, it's okay, it doesn't matter what you do, right? Right, and I interrupted you. So the first part was this um, this thought of the docetism yeah. um, aspect, and then the other place that you were going, there was like two parts to where you Well, were... that's two parts. One, I think, is the theological issue of, of, <clears throat> of Christ, that he's fully God and fully man. I gotcha. And, and addressing this the dualism as it relates to Jesus, but then the, the second part is how it plays itself out in life. And that's where I think that the... the, the uh, the issue of you can do what you want to do, and you you, you fall into it's kind of like the in 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 Greek um, thinking. I mean, you kind of had that those extremes in terms of the um, you know the sophists and the uh, now it's I'm not remembering. Yeah, but it's the, the thing. But, but the sophists would be like those that are just like the Greek philosophy type stuff, right? Right. Yeah. 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 And um, so. As you were t- making uh, defining that, I thought you did a, a really good job. Um, it, it worked for me anyway, so that's okay. that's good. But the other part of that is, uh, uh, while you were speaking, is that some of the verbiage that is used speaks directly to, to these things um, where I didn't even recognize it before. Sometimes, like when he uses the word "begotten," mm-hmm. right? Begotten, not born, not created, right? Or eternally begotten. Those yeah. are these are some of our creeds that that we believe um, yeah. that. That begotten doesn't mean that he came into existence, right? But it, it, it talks about when you say eternally begotten of the fathers that he was always, always the Son and the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? But then he be, he he put on flesh, right? Um, when he came into this world some two thousand years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, and so uh, yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit when it came back to what's John talking about that, that which is from the beginning, the very opening lines of the letter, right? I think there's that dual sense from the beginning. He was always with the father, but then there was also a beginning in terms of him becoming flesh, you know, too, uh, because in there he talks about them, they touching him and handling him and, and that, you know, they really know, do know that he became flesh in that sense. And then as it relates to, you know, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but you know, as you talk about the, the eternally begotten, you know, I think there's something about that expressing the fact that, you know, there is some um, origin, originality, not originality in the way we think in terms of like being creative right. you know, in some senses, but in terms of like the the son has always been found his origins in the father, you know, and, and the spirit has always found it in the in the father and the son, but the, but that doesn't we, we shouldn't be thinking of time we shouldn't be thinking of a one existed before the other right. no it's just that there's this there's this um commonality and that uh, and that there is something there is 
in some senses within the, within the Trinity, the priority of the Father. Right. What's know? that Greek word that we use? Uh, homoousios or something like that. The, um, the one substance. Yeah. Or one of one essence. Right. And that's that's eternal. This that's the triune God. Yeah. That that we talk about, but um, as the Bible gives us three persons in their in right. its descriptions, we. We must claim that since the Bible speaks of it as such. Right, and that's and that's like actually the word that uh, the the author to Hebrews uses in, in his opening in chapter 1, where it talks about he's the radiance of glory, God in the exact imprint of his nature as the ESV. That's that, that's that homoousis oh, is that right? okay. Greek word, I think, there. Um, Good. Yeah. Awesome. So um, I, I know we've read through uh, verse 17 um, last week, but I think it might make sen- some sense to at least begin in um, 16 and 17 again in chapter yeah, three. I think so. Is that what you were thinking yeah, as well? Right. Okay. So let's leave. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll read this week and then you can pray for us when I'm done. I'll start in 16 and read through the end of the chapter. This is the ESV. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he's commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the life that you give to us. You are all-powerful, and it is to our amazement that you lavish your love and your grace and your mercy upon us. And as we just read in this passage, Lord, uh, you've given us life, and through that you've also commanded us to be obedient to that call, to be your Um, your servants, to be your heirs, to be your children, and that with that we have responsibilities here to share the truth with those around us in the love uh, as you have loved us. And so help us to take this and be encouraged by these words that are, are given to us in this passage, and we'll give you all the praise and glory in your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we ended last time you know, kind of in the midst of 17 and 18. I don't know that we directly addressed 18. We kind of did, I, I think, because we were talking about, you know, um, not just saying I love you, but, you know, actually doing something about it, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, and exactly. So, and so, you know, it, it, so it made me think about this as it relates to 19 and 20, um, especially when it comes to our heart condemning us. Um it made me think of this because, you know, my wife and I often when we leave for the day, we'll give each other a kiss and say, I love you, you know, like that. And, and uh, which is a good thing is this is us doing it with, with our mouths. This is our, this is us loving in word and in talk. Right. <laughs> right? You <laughs> right. know, um, yeah. but, but I'm like, okay, let's say later on in the day, I do some, I, I, I fail to do something I should have done for her, you know, or I do something that to hurt her in some way. My heart will let me know that, 
Right. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. like, here it is. Uh, okay. So I say all the time to her, I love you, you know, but then if I do something that's contrary to that, I feel that condemnation within my heart. Yeah. You, you know? know, yeah. You know, my favorite thing to do is, <laughs> is when, when I know that I'm kind of being a disobedient to that, to that love action and right. stuff like that, I'm not doing that right now. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, you're being a big idiot, you know, <laughs> yeah. just go do it. And I'm saying, no, oh, I'm, and it's like, I don't understand, you know, the, the selfishness that sometimes can arise in my flesh, right. but, um, you know, it's, but- yeah, that's just an easy example to think of yeah. for us, you know, as yeah. husbands. Right. But but that's the same way towards God. Sure. You know, we say, yeah. I mean, would it, if anybody were to ask me, do you love God? I'm going to say, sure I do. Yeah. You know, but then I'm then it's like, well, then when I'm confronted with my sin, I'm like, do I, you know, there's the whole thing of just on one hand feeling guilty, knowing that I'm a sinner. But but I at times I I think I allow myself to do that without really reflecting on how I haven't loved God. Yeah. You know? Well, I've like, heard, okay, I, no, I just, I did wrong, <laughs> but I don't necessarily want to look at the beauty of God and say, oh, I really offended him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I've heard this said, and I'm sure it's been said many times, but the idea of if you were arrested and, and taken, you know, in front of the court system, would there be enough, if you were arrested because you were a Christian, yeah. would there be enough evidence to convict you? <laughs> You know, that will help. Maybe, man, I, I sure hope so. You know, and, 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 you know, and we're making light of this, but really the idea is, is that Christ is the one that said, you know, no greater love has a man than yeah. to, you know, to lay his life down on behalf of his friends. That's the ultimate action. Right. So that's love in action. Right. And, yeah. uh, so really, really a great thought. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we had, you know, talked about some last episode in verse, verse 16, that Jesus himself you know, demonstrate this, but it's interesting here in verse 19, we get a little bit of the heart of, of John as the pastor who's who's dealing with these people because he's concerned with these false teachers uh, who are, you know, either teaching them something about Christ that's not true or something about how they can live that's untrue. And, and he wants to give them assurance. And so in verse 19, he's, he's, he, he's wanting to assure them. He says, by this, we shall know that we are of the truth and assurance reassure our heart before him. And so um, so he's helping them deal with, let's say, let's just say, for instance, a false teacher has been telling, oh, it doesn't matter. You can, you know, you can um, commit adultery. You can, you know, sleep around or whatever, or you can go do this or do that. It doesn't matter because what you do in the body doesn't matter. Right. Right. And then they go do it. Let's say they, they do it. And then all of a sudden now their heart's feeling guilty. So how, as a pastor, how is he helping them deal with that? Right. And so he says here, we shall know that we have the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Mm. So how do you take that? When you, as you read that, what's, what's John saying here? Well, I mean, if I'm just looking at this uh, as it points to me, if my heart condemns me, mm-hmm. when I when I read my heart, I mean, I'm thinking about this is my conscience being pricked. Right? Yeah. So if if my heart is being pricked and I am claiming to be a believer and I'm I'm living to I'm striving to live faithful to Christ, um, if my heart convicts me, God being all knowing. <laughs> You know how much more detail does he have against me? If he, if, in, in as far as truth right. goes, right? You know, so I think that's that's part of it. God, God's conviction's got to be greater. It is, yeah, and and it, but it, his conviction's greater, but his heart is also greater. Well, that's it. That's you it, know? Right. right? You know, so I think that there is 
Um, in some sense, what I think John's driving at here is that is that you know if we think about it from a reform standpoint that you know it's it's God's work on the heart that leads to repentance. Right. Well, if the problem is our, is represented yeah, right. by our convictions, right, and so much greater so in God, then therefore also the remedy. Yes. Yes. You know, the remedy is God. Right. And so the, therefore that's good. And I was thinking, you know, um, in, in light of this passage as well, that um, a, a passage from Romans was actually brought to mind. And this is, this is part of the same lifestyle or not the same lifestyle, but the same uh, compare contrast to those who are striving to be um, walking in the paths of, of righteousness, mm. right? As true Christians and those who want to take this other path. And in Romans 8, 5, it says, and this is a familiar passage to most of us, I'm sure, but it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that's, that's so great. Um, for us as believers, because it's it should be the differentiation um, point of our assurance. Because if we're being convicted right. by not walking that path, that's a good thing. Yeah, right. That 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 conviction that comes, you know, because we should be living and walking in those paths, you know, of, of His light. Mm-hmm. And so I th- I just thought that that compared pretty pretty well to this passage that we've been reading. No, I, I agree with you, and I want I want to stay in Romans eight because I think too when 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 that happens and when we're feeling that, uh, and and the Spirit is convicting us, and we we are reminded that God is greater, right, and His solution for our sin problem is greater than our problem. Okay, I'm going to save a question for you because I have a practical question for you. Okay, but but I think. It, you might answer it here, so I'm going to let you go ahead and continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> with well, your well, it just you know when. When we have, when our conscience is seared, we, I think one of the things we do is remind ourselves that, that God has, has forgiven us in Christ, that we have a, we have a forgiver, <laughs> we have a, a cover, you know, we have atonement. And when we do, um, we say, as, as we need to be reminded of what Paul says at the end of Romans, what shall we say then to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And that one of those things is a clear is a clear conscience once again, right? Um, mm. Who who shall bring any charge against God's elect? If it is God who justifies, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Mm-hmm. Who shall separate? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? You know, the answer is is no, nothing can. Right. Right. And so, so I think so. I'm a, so there's something, you know, initially when that when our conscience is seared and our heart is condemning us, we we rightfully feel guilty and sorrowful. Right. But then that should drive us and lead us to the gospel. Right. Which right. then says, oh. In Christ, I'm not condemned, right? God's right. greater. Right. This is our assurance, yeah. right? This here. is our assurance. Yeah. And you went to the end of Romans 8, and I thought for sure you were going to read verse 1. <laughs> oh, there's you no know, condemnation. There's therefore no condemnation, right? Same, same it's principle. It's the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great. And it does answer my question because that because my question was going to be why do I, mm-hmm. as a man, you know, when I, um, Truly, in my in my heart of hearts, long to serve Christ. So, yeah. why why do I, as that type of person, as a Christian, 
why do I find myself at times being resistant to following the leading of the Holy Spirit? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, like we were just talking about, you know, how we behave with our spouses sometimes, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, in, in even more serious matters, what is it if I'm truly longing for that? Why do I? Why do I just find myself being resistant to it? And yeah. like, I'm not going to do that right now. I right. mean, it's sometimes a conscious thing. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. Preaching to the choir there. You know, the the best explanation I have, um, and I try to root it in Scripture, it's it's the old man, new man. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's there's still, uh, I think the, the old man has been crucified with Christ, the sin nature of the flesh has been crucified. It's power, you know, but yet it, it's still... It's still here, resident in you know. I still have those habits and memories and things that have formed within me that that make me re, that I, I just start to react. I my reaction is still within that you know. And the new man is is growing and desiring other things, but there are times you know that it's just like there's that the you know there's that stubbornness you know. So if we think about the fruit of the spirit. But we also think about those those list of other things of the old man, you know. And so there's sometimes it's still you know there's still little. I, I refer to myself sometimes as seven year old Matt, you know, because I think at seven I probably I, I believed in God, I knew Jesus, but I I, I think right. it was probably somewhere around nine or ten, eleven, somewhere, and there were really I think you know God got a hold of me and regenerated me or something, and so. But anyway, seven year old Matt. You know, was of the age where you know I still I still wanted to please my parents, but I still was you know willing to resist. So it's, it's kind of like you know, you know, go go put away your clothes. You know, my first reaction is no. You know, I, I know I should, and I you know, it's probably a good thing to want to do that. You know, and to keep your room clean right. and stuff. But you know, sometimes it's just a seven year old bad. Just like no, I don't want to do that right <laughs> I'm not now. Doing it. You know, I'm not uh, doing it. And I think there's still some of that. You know, there's some of that. I use the word residue yeah. of the old man that's still there, you know. And it's like, okay, my heart, my heart desires to want to please God and to do this, but yet sometimes he asks me to do it, and my, my, no, I don't want to do that right now. I want to, I want to, you know, I want to play solitaire on my computer instead. Right. <laughs> you know, well, I'm glad you brought up the imagery in the in the gospel truth about the old man, right? And uh, that's that's so true. Uh, it's kind of like a. We're, we've got, um, my, my son Aiden has, uh, his first son is now like 16 months old and is saying words and calls mm-hmm. me, calls me pops and, you know, can say bye, you know, yeah. hi and all that other stuff. And then some other words, but he's on a time delay because we'll, we'll be on FaceTime with him or whatever and say, okay, say bye, uh-huh. say bye. And he won't, he won't do it. You know, and he's looking at us yeah. and then we okay, we're just going to go. And then we'll just go to press the stop button or, or and he says, bye. <laughs> You know, it's on it's on this big time delay, and it's kind of like what I, what you were saying. It's like that's kind of how I am. I'm I'm on this time delay to to react appropriately to the, to the leading of the spirit at times. But I I think um, part I'm I'm not going to use this as an excuse, but I think that if we had this mastered, we would so easily grow prideful. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was I was meeting with some guys today. We be a little discipleship group. And we were talking about this in some ways was why why we're talking about you know Paul's urging in chap in in Romans eight it, it, he does this in Galatians five as well but is to be in step with the Spirit mm-hmm. right which we're just talking which you were just you brought up it's like 
why why aren't we always in step with the Spirit? Why do we still, you know, why aren't we fully filled all the time with Spirit? Because we know what it feels like when we're filled with joy, peace, patience, and how that goes. But why isn't it why isn't just a, a, in this life right now an ongoing thing? And we were I, I raised the idea of. Um, well, you know, in the new creation, in the new heavens and new earth, when we get our spiritual bodies, I think they're, they're I think we actually have flesh, you know, still as a resurrected, just like Jesus did. But their spiritual bodies, they're totally given over to the Spirit. They will always be filled with the the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, but what's the difference? With, but we're not going to be robots, right? Because there's once God could just make it right now. He could just make it. He could just decree that that's how you're going to be. But it would almost be more like that. But you just programmed you, and now it's just, your will's not involved anymore, right? And, right? and so, but yet, I think in this new, renewed will that we have in this born again, regenerate week, He gives us this new will that wants this. That um, there's something about this time of still understanding the battle, right? So, in the new creation, when when all the temptation and all the bad and all the brokenness is taken away. Our our will will know the goodness of God to to say um, to want to do that. Right. Where That's, right now we're like without any pride right. because they, we will have known what it is to be in this life where the struggle is there. Right? Yeah, exactly. And without trying to take too far of a left hand turn on the theological discussion here, um, there is a very real sense um, in eternity once we have our resurrected bodies that we will have limitations to our will. Um, in other words, we won't have the ability, as Adam and Eve did, to disobey, right? Because there's a there's a difference in the new creation that, uh, that has guaranteed us eternal life and the life of Christ as heirs of Christ. So we're eternally his children at that point as when Adam and Eve sinned, you know, they were uh, disciplined and lost that original relationship that they had with the father as the child, as the children of God. So yeah. there's there's going to be some type of limitation, and that's fine with me, <laughs> you know, because whatever that limitation is, is going to be, you know, perfection. Yes. You know, and so that's that's good. I was... Uh, uh, yeah. I was thinking uh, or, or, or looking at a commentary um, because what we're really talking about here is not only the theological side of things, but the practical yeah. side of things. This is very much a very practical letter here, right? And what we were talking about is, is believers and following the Spirit um, is being that and becoming that image of Christ, right? Yes. Reflecting his glory. And this was interesting. Um, uh, this is a commentary or just a comment from a guy named Colin Cruz, uh, which is uh, one of the Logos uh, commentaries that I read called The Letters of John. And he said this, the sword of love exemplified in Christ's death is love which expends itself in the interest of others. And that's what we're talking about here. How do we live this out to be the light unto the world around us, mm -hmm. right? Because our call and our mission is the gospel of Christ, right? And so this is this is our primary mission. There's lots of different gifts that we have, but we're you know, but none of us are exempt from being the light unto the world. We're we're to be the, the body of Christ here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so and so there's some sense too when it, back to this reassurance thing is. The, 
I think one of the things he's saying is here is that one of the things that does provide reassurance for us, even though our, our surety is always Christ and faith in him, but one of the things that does provide assurance for us that, that we do have that surety, that our faith is that, is when we, it's not just that our heart condemns us when we sin, but it's actually when we are faithful, when we are obedient, when we are loving the way God called us to love, when we do obey and keep his commands, that is that that assures us, oh yeah, <laughs> this is what I'm on board with. This is I am following Jesus, mm, you know. So I think yeah. there's that element too. Cause then he goes on in verse 21, he says, um, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, which means you are being obedient, right? We have confidence before God. Yeah, and this is what you were saying earlier, as you kind of summed up that yeah. the, the greater the greater confidence, right? Yeah. The, the the conviction is great, but then the confidence has got to be that much greater. Yeah, and it's in God. Um, and, and and then when we when we're when we are living that way, he says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Now he's not saying there that God is a vending machine, and as long as I do what I'm supposed to do, he's going to answer my prayers. Right. I right. put if I put in the right amount of money and press the right button, I'm going to get the Kit Kat bar from God. No, that's not what this is saying. But what this is saying is that as we walk the faith in confidence in Christ in us, you know, because later he's going to talk about abiding in him, you know, that what the, all that is, that then then we're going to see the fruits of that uh, in this. And so, right. so we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and what pleases him is that that covenant relationship that we have in Christ, um, we have confidence in that. Exactly, right? exactly. So, so whatever we ask, this has got to be understood in the light of the promises of God that he gives us in the scriptures, right? Yes. So uh, on the on the things that he promised, just for example, um, Daniel, when mm-hmm. he's when he's praying, um, you know, Lord, come, Lord, hear, Lord, hearken. You know, he was praying for. He was praying for because uh, Israel is in captivity in, yeah, in Babylon right. now, right? And he's. He knows because he's been reading the scriptures because it says that he was reading Jeremiah. He understands that the 70 weeks or the 70 years are about up. And so as he's coming to the end of that 70-year period from the time of the captivity, he's praying for the Lord to now come and do what his promise was. It's a prayer that cannot be unanswered. <laughs> you know. So if we're praying according to the scriptures, I guess, is, is where I'm going to um, summarize if we're praying according to the scriptures, there's not a prayer that's not going to be unanswered. Right. right? That's it's, what Jesus said by praying in my name. Right. When you're praying in my name, you're praying according to the will and character of God. Right. And, and so if we think, but... Which is different than a, like when we give our supplications to the Lord. I mean, he understands our hearts. So we can pray to for, for health, let's say, or yeah. to be healed. Right. Um, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with praying along those lines, right? But... The selfish ambitions that that we can pray sometimes for a new Corvette, <laughs> you know, whatever you said, the vending machine, I right? Just, yeah, I was no, just, no, I was no, just, no. That's right. Because I mean, because I mean, what's one of the, you know, what's one of the false teachings of our day, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity. Exactly. Uh, that, um, and, and so what? And I they will take verse twenty two. 
as, as, you know, whatever we ask and receive from him, because we keep his commandments to do what pleases him, right? That's that they'll take that and abuse that. Uh, and, and so we need to remember that you can't do this apart from exactly what you're saying in terms of praying according to what God wants and desires for his purposes in Jesus Christ, that it, it is centered on him and our confidence before God is in him. It's not in my own faith, you know, because that's one of the issues there with a lot of that is, well, if you just have more faith, well, no, it's it's who your faith is in. It's not it's it, not the amount it, of your faith. It is faith. about um, our life, um, how do I say it, um, being lived out or being continued in the spirit. Yes. Right? And uh, this, uh, okay, so I'm going to throw this at you and see what you do with it. Um, so put that in terms of how we live in covenant mm-hmm. with God. Well, we live in covenant with God but through faith in Christ. So I think it's tied to verse 23. So 23, and this is his commandment. He says, we keep his commandments and do what pleases him, right? That's how we know. That's how we know our prayers are in line. He says, and this is his commandment. So he tells us what his commandment is after he says, if we keep his commandments. He says that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, okay? So in essence, you have the love of God, love of one, love one another thing here, except how does he, how does he say love for God here? I, now I'm. He doesn't say that, but the, but I think he's. What he's saying is, this is how you love God. Yeah, it's you faith. believe in his in the name of his son Jesus Christ, yeah. and so the covenant is fulfilled in Christ. The covenant keeper is Jesus, mm. um, and so we keep the command. We stay in covenant with God through faith in Christ, and so we pray in His name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so. It, to keep the command of God is to love Jesus. Now, I'm going to divert a little bit away from the prayer thing here for a minute because I think it's a big issue today when it comes to faiths and religion and, and loving God. Because when we talk about loving God and loving neighbor, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, who aren't Christian would say, yeah, no, I think that's a good thing. I want to love God and love my neighbor. Yeah. Can you love God? If you don't believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you cannot. You cannot. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, and this, I, this, is, this really goes back um, to what was spoken of earlier in this, this letter about Antichrist. Exactly. That's exactly where I'm going. So if we go back to, to chapter two, and he's talking about the Antichrist, um, that what's, what's at issue there? He's, he's concerned again about those false teachers, okay? Um, who is the, verse 22 of chapter 2, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Mm. Yeah. Now, we don't, in our world today, we don't like that, you know? Don't, you can't tell me God doesn't love me or this, that, or whether You know, Jesus doesn't have to be the only way. There are many ways to God. I love God. You know, God loves me. Um, if you deny that Jesus is the Christ, it says you're a liar. Right. You know? And so how do we love God? How do we keep his commandments? This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, let's think of the whole biblical narrative for a minute. Why is love for God, why is believing in Jesus as the Christ, the Christ being the anointed 
king. Mm. The, the one sent by God, declared by God, um, said by God, he's the one who is, who's, who's, who's going to rule over everything, who's going to redeem everything, who's going to bring everything back right. The world's messed up. We all agree with that. How is it being made right? It's being made right through Jesus. If there's any other way for it to, make, to be made right in your mind, then you're denying the work that God has done right. to make all things right. Right. And I think in this time of the season uh, that we're in with Easter just around the corner. Yeah, um, yeah we're recording it, this the Tuesday before Easter. The Tuesday before <laughs> Easter, that's right, um, is made manifest in the spotless lamb. Yeah. He's, he's the sinless one. Right. Right. And he's the one that gave his life, shed his blood for on our behalf. And so to all, to those people that you brought up that say there's lots of other ways, let me ask you this. If, if you're one of those people says, now there, there's a lot more religions, there's a lot of paths, all roads, you know, can lead yeah. to God. You know, I just got to believe something. Here's the thing. The Bible speaks specifically that the wages of sin is death. And we all have sinned, and so therefore, our, we we've earned only death, not righteousness. Right? We we're deserving of death and eternal punishment. My question is: Without Jesus Christ, what do you do with your guilt? Right? And, and pick a pick a religion. What do you do with your guilt? God can't wink at it. Yeah. Right. And that's that's where you're left. This is this is this is the thought process that everybody misses because they just want to think, you know, there's this God up here, he's loving, you know, like that. He's not going to destroy his creatures. No. Man was rebellious. We sin. God has made a way. Mm. He says, and because he is God, he's allowed being God to say, he first of all, he doesn't have to make a way. He could just he could just condemn us all, right? Right. But yet he provides his son. He steps into the flesh, lives the perfect life, sinless life, which is required, right? And because he is the king and the high priest, as you just mentioned, being the being the king sent and the promised one, he can die on our behalf as man. Right. Yeah. Right. But we have to believe. That's that's right. the requirement. Right. Believe. So. Right. And if you look at all the stuff going on in the world, just, you talk about your own sin, right? Right. And the penalty is death. Well, is anybody else overcome death? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, that's what Easter Easter morning, right? right? He dies Good Friday. Easter morning, he raises, and 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 he has overcome death. But so we have that on that personal level. But the other thing is, look at the brokenness of the world. Look at all the evil things happening in the world. You take them to their end, they produce death. Death is being produced everywhere. The, the murder, the hate, the, the crime, the institutional stuff, all the big, you know, it's not just the individual thing. It's all those, it's the institutional things. It's the societal things. All those things are leading to death. They're bringing destruction and chaos upon the world, which we all feel is brokenness, right? right? This king is overcoming all that. He's overcoming your individual sin, but he's also overcoming all that other stuff that leads to death. Well, I have a question for you, Pastor Matt. Here we are at this place in time. Jesus, um, okay, I'll grant that he died on the cross, that he was buried, and that he um, rose from the grave. Right. He conquered death, but it still looks like there's lots of garbage going on in yeah. this world. It doesn't, doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel much better than it did before he died. So explain that one to me. Well, because there's... There's, we've talked about this before in the podcast. There's an already not yet to this. 
that there's a new day that has dawned. There, there, it, just like in my own life, we were just talking about earlier, the old man and the new man. There's a new man that has been birthed and is growing in that. And there's a new society that has been planted here on earth called his church. And we don't live it out perfectly. We're still like we're still like the old fad who sometimes even though desires to do good, he still says he still says no God no, right? And so we we're not a perfect church, but we but what we, the church is 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 that evidence of that new life in that new society. And and I'll tell you what, while while there's been there it's not perfect, I'll tell you what, the the people of God have been real good to me and good to a lot of people. Um, and we don't do things perfectly. I'm not claiming that. But the point is that there is love and there's forgiveness and there's help. Um, we talked about this in the last podcast of just, you know, in what John's talking about here. If you lo- if you see your neighbor in need, you go and you, you want to keep his commands. You go and love. You give you give him the, the thirsty guy water. So what you're right? saying is that the light of Christ in this world is being lived out in the body of It believers. has dawned in the, in the new body. It's right. been inaugurated. It hasn't been consummated, right? The, the full day isn't here, you know, but it, it has started, that—, that, that the dawn of the new day, and it started with the resurrection of Jesus. And when we say death has been defeated in Christ, uh, that is at this juncture, it's a spiritual matter. Spiritual, mm-hmm. the, the death that we experience spiritually through our sins being, right. and being condemned. Uh, for those of us who believe, we are given new life. We've been we've been raised from the dead in a spiritual sense, yes. haven't we? As yes. believers, yes. So so we we've already conquered death through Christ now. As yeah. believers, right? As we're born again. That first resurrection we've talked about, you know, the that we that that started, you know, and, and then one day that we will, when we do physically die, that we'll be reunited at this at the final resurrection of all, you know, and, and have our new spiritual bodies for forever. But that 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 has started now. Mm. That there is a beginning, right? And just like Jesus had a beginning, we have a beginning in our new life now, and we have a new life of a of a new society now within the church that that is being played out within a, a government of the church as well, right? There's a poli- uh, there's a there's a body politic of the church too that is a new government that will not end yeah. because Ephesians. One tells us that when he was raised and see at the right hand of, God, of the Father, he became the head of the church, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so so the church, we are raised with him, you know? And so we live that out now in a real physical way right. um, that's being governed by the Spirit. Right. It's just not in its fullness now because it's still – it's overlapping with the old kingdom of darkness um, and its ruler – that it's been defeated, but it's still here. So we've talked about. I think we've used the analogy of D-Day before in the in the in the in World War II, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that that really that's when the battle, the you know that the war was won that day or those days. You know that the the back was broken. You know, and the rest of the war was just finishing out in, until um, the day when the, the the final signing of of the you know the ceasing of the war happened. Right. right? Yeah. And that's when we. When when that that finally we come back and we have the wedding the marriage supper of the lamb you know then yeah. you know then then the consummation and, happens. And exactly and in the meantime for those of us that are saying well okay so man we're two thousand years after the cross right now and after the resurrection um, hurry up already let's go but we there's you know the saints have asked that question but it's answered in Revelation chapter six isn't it because <laughs> the souls that are that are in heaven are crying out from underneath the altar symbolically saying. Yeah. 
um, how long, oh Lord, until right. you take vengeance, you know, and, and bring yeah. this to an end? And he says, a little while longer, right? Because the number is not complete. So there's more there's more believers to come into the kingdom. Yeah. And that's our purpose for being here is to share that light with yeah, the world around us. Yeah. And so I, I think then if we if we get to verse 24. <laughs> if we get there, um, let's move it on. It says, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God. So that's what mm. we're doing in this time. Right, right. We're abiding in God. Now, in God in him. And mm. it's because... It's because God is our life. Christ is our life. We're in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us back to the Romans eight. Right. So, so that's, 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 we experientially live this out and, and, and we do it. We suffer. We, uh, as we abide, but we also, even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of dealing with the brokenness of the world, we can still have the peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, you know, through the spirit. Uh, so, uh, you know, John uh, and Paul use different language sometimes, but they're saying the same thing All right. in the sense of like, because Paul is always, often his letters, he's talking about being the spirit. He also talks about being in Christ, in Christ, that we are in Christ. Well, that's John's language of being in Christ is as abiding in him, abide in him, abide in him, dwell in him, live in him, you know, rest in him. That's, that's, that's that in Christ language. And so the life of the Christian is united to Christ. We are union, we are in union with Him, and it's through our union with Christ that we then um, are have the gift of the Spirit, and and that's how we live. We live by faith, and our confidence is always married to Christ. And so, so uh, how do we live out this tension? How do we live out this already not yet life? We do it by abiding, and we're we're in that process of learning. Of of God growing us up in our faith that says, okay, you know, how do I how do I grow up in the faith? How do I get stronger? How do I do this? It's a lot. It comes down in John's language to abiding. Mm. You know, it goes back to John his his gospel in John fifteen. He talks about abiding in the vine, and as you abide in the vine, uh, all those dead, withered branches of the old man they get pruned and thrown into the fire, right? And then you bear fruit in him because we can do nothing apart from the, the, the branches can do nothing apart from the vine, you know? So, so that's the life that we have here. And so when the false teacher comes along and says, oh, what you do doesn't matter, you know, he's like, no, we got we to gotta prune that branch off. We got to abide in Christ. We got to keep his commandments. Right, we man. believe in the sun. The sun is where life is. And when we are abiding in the vine, um, when... When we sin, I mean, because it goes back to that, you know, yeah. we've been, you know, wrestling around with that a little bit. But when we sin, um, we aren't cast away out of the vine, right? Because we're in that fellowship because it's according to the spirit, right? Right. Now, our sinful ways should be being pruned and, and, and burned, right. right? But that abiding in the vine, to me, sounds very much like the covenantal relationship that, we're, that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Right. Right. It's... When we're in covenant with with God, it's because He formed that eternal covenant to right. to rescue us, to save us, to um, to make the law of love offering the Father to the Son, whom for whom the Son would die, of right. of whom um, He would lose none. Right? right. I mean, all of these great promises that we can stand on. Um, so, in our times of frustration with ourselves and maybe misbehaving or or whatever. Uh, we we need to keep looking back to the scriptures to stand on the, the the solid foundation and the rock of these promises of scripture that he that he's given to us because 
that's where our um, solace lies is in his truth. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, it lies in his truth and it, um, it produces the, the life it's producing in us is by the spirit. You know, you could say, you know, the sap running through the branches of the trees is the, is the spirit, which has united us to the, you know, the, the base, which is Christ himself, you know? Right. The, and and wow. so we, it's, it's all in him. And so it's, it really is us, you know, the fruit is going to look like the, the life of Thad and the life of Matt and, and whoever else, um, but it's being produced within and by Christ because our life is in him, mm. you know? And so it's, uh, that's why we can say eternal life has started now, the abundant life has started, but because it's, it's in Christ, the fellowship that we have with the, with the Father and Son has started now, that it, it's producing that within us. And so we then exhibit that in our individual lives and also then in our corporate lives. Right. But, but the, um, but it's, it's not, I, I say that because it's, it's not, it's we're not passive in that process, um, but we're totally dependent within that process. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're we're called into into good works. I mean, that's that's what that is. But it is only then uh, by the Spirit. Let's see. This is it is by the Spirit. This is that's the only true way that we can live in union with Christ. Yes. Right. So. There's some people that go to church that don't have the spirit, right? They're, they, who knows why they're there for whatever reasons, but um, they, they're, they're fakers, right? I mean, some of this is talking about the people that were misleading people. They're obviously not in the church, right. you know, they're being deceptive to begin with, but that, that describes again, the antichrist position in reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it you know, it's, it's your, you can be, a religious person in a lot of different ways. You can be a Hindu, you can be a, a Buddhist, you can be a Muslim, you can be a Christian, you can be a quote Christian and you're just, you're, your religion is just trying to follow this. Um, but you're not at all dependent upon the spirit. You're not trusting in Christ alone right. for that. You're trying to produce it yourself. So you're trying in your own strength to be a Christian um, you maybe have great admiration for Jesus as a teacher, or you know, yeah, you know, but but you've never really trusted Christ alone for things, right? You've never. I use the example of sitting down in a chair, or the, or this past Sunday I was preaching about the shoes of you know putting on the Jesus shoes. You know, you've um, you've never really staked your life completely upon Christ. Now, let me ask you this, because this will get a little bit theological, but when we are outside of a relationship with Christ, if we don't have the Spirit living with us, if we haven't been regenerated, if we haven't been regenerated, um, we do not in earnest seek the living God. Right, because there's none that seek after God. No, not mm-hmm. one is what the Scripture says. Um, in fact, we're enemies. So, um, if I'm just trying to do this introspectively, because it seems like people could have good intentions and almost be seeking truth and not finding it, but they're they're they're, they're are they doing this out of selfish ambition then, or what's the? I mean, there's a very fine line to descri- to have this conversation. Um, uh, 
you know, to, for explaining to people that might be listening out there saying, you know, I, I, I don't know, am I just going through the motions or I, I want truth, but are you saying that I can't have it unless God gives it to me and he might not? I mean, so in a real, in a very real sense, I guess what I'm asking you, if we seek the truth, if we are seeking the truth, we have to seek it in humility and in an earnest um, and ask God to open our eyes to that, to that truth. I mean, you know, what right. comes first, the chicken or the egg, I guess, you know, there's a, there's a balancing act of, uh, of how one is saved, I guess, right. and then becomes well, a member th- of the true church. Yeah. Well, theologically speaking, I think the very fact that if we would want the, the true wanting of that and seeing the enlightening of seeing that it's only by the spirit and it's only by Christ, it, it it's by the, the power of God in us. Um, uh, but I think you people can maybe have that desire, but within that desire, it it it's 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 a very self. It can be self centered, right? You know, in the sense and that's of, kind of what I'm thinking of, I guess, because you know, there's some people out there. So I was in church my whole life. In fact, I was a pastor, right. and now they're apostate. Yeah, you know, they just left it all right. together and become atheist or whatever they want right. to become. Or some were like that, and they're like, then then I actually became born again after I'd been in the church for twenty <laughs> years or been a pastor for twenty years. Exactly. There's, you know, you have the same. You can have the opposite of that. Some too. of you pastors out there. And, yeah. And, and, <laughs> no. Well, no, I mean the, the the church I went to in college it was a Presbyterian church. Uh, it's really where I first got exposed to Presbyterianism. Um, but the but uh, the the pastor openly admitted that. That he became a Christian after he'd been preaching in that pulpit for a number of years, right? Um, because he met a man who told him what it really, who really preached the gospel to him. You know, right. and uh, that doesn't mean that he wasn't preaching the gospel because as he was reading the word, people are hearing the word of truth being spoken by a guy that wasn't really saved at the time. Potentially, I don't know what his preaching was like before that, but right, the, but, it, but the the point is, is that oh, back to your original thing, yeah, I sorry. think the the uh, the issue. At hand, in if if someone's wondering about that, is uh, I always have to, there's, there's a subjective issue of the heart we're talking about, which only God knows, and only He can really produce you know give you that sense within that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it always comes. But I think you, we always have to an objective question to ask ourselves, and and that question is always about Jesus. Do you trust in His work? His life, his death, his resurrection. Do you trust in what he has done, or are you just trying to be good like he was good? You know, are are you recognizing that you can't and only he can? And that's an objective thing to put your faith in that you're pledging your allegiance to him. Um, not that you not saying that you just admire him, you know, or think what he did was great, right? Or say, yeah, no, I'm not perfect, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, it's, it's do you honestly in your heart say there's no other way for me to be right with God and to be right with his whole with the rest of his whole world and creation? Are you do you find any is there any other possibility in your mind that all things are going to be set right in any other way? Yeah. And if you recognize within your heart your desperate need for Jesus alone, then Stop beating yourself up, <laughs> I mean, because that—that's—that's that's the thing right there. And with that does come deep conviction of sin, you know. But it, but if you're, you know, you know, because if you're wrestling with the assurance of your salvation in any way, then then the question I, I the only question I really know to ask is, do you trust in Christ? Right, right. 
Because right after the Romans 3.23, that all of sin and fall yeah. short of the glory of God is the continuation that that those of us have been freely justified by his grace. Yeah. It's only by his grace, right. right, that we're set free. That's our redemption in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that, and that again goes all the way back to the shedding of his blood upon the cross, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and and then my experience and, and just about every other Christian I've talked to my experience is when when that really when that trust and that faith and you really have sat down and rested in Christ alone, then when you read verse 24, especially the end of it, you can identify with what he's saying. He says, and by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he's given us. Mm-hmm. You know that, oh, this desire to keep his commands, you know, and to abide in him. I know that I trust in Christ because I, I do feel the spirit in me. There is this change. You know the difference between the old man and the new man. You can you you know that the there there is this real experiential thing that has happened to you, you know. Now, can we deceive ourselves? Get caught up in emotion at times at different things, and so you, you, people can. Yeah, and we're going right? to talk about that next week because we're <laughs> going to have to de- discern the spirits. Exactly, but the, but that's why the question every day becomes: It's not just just how I feel. It's also do I feel the spirit, but do I also believe in Jesus alone. Mm, right. You know, because you know there might be some new age person out there who's like, "Oh, the spirit's in me, you know too, and I'm trusting in my crystals." Right. You know, and it's like, uh, no, the, the crystals aren't doing anything for you." Yeah, wrong, wrong spirit. <laughs> yeah, right. But but a real spirit, but the wrong spirit. Yeah, so we're going to need to test the spirits next time. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds great. We'll look forward to it. All right. All right. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. Time, join us as we begin chapter four and our responsibility to test the spirits as we interact with those proclaiming the truth or not so much. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.